The murder of Mia Marcano is one of the scariest and most heartbreaking cases that has happened in the state of Florida, USA, in recent times. Mia is a young and promising female student, but she went missing after working at an apartment in Arden Villas on September 24, 2021. Her corpse was found nearly completely skeletonized with black duct tape around her neck ankles and wrists, things tied behind her back in the apartment she worked in after just a week of searching. Who is the perpetrator? What is the motive for such a heinous crime? Mia is a beautiful schoolgirl with a kind heart who was killed so suddenly. The details are gradually revealed when the detective and the police get involved. The assailant has been identified. Mia Marcano's murder has shocked and heartbroken the community. Take a deep breath and join us through the door of darkness to uncover the mystery behind the tragic murder that led to the death of Mia Marcano. Today, we make our way back to the United States, and after circling South Florida in the air, we land in Pembroke Pines to begin our investigation. Twenty miles to the north of Miami is where you'll find the sizable city of Pembroke Pines. You can expect a lot of sun, a lot of sand, and if you ask the people who live there, a lot of delicious food as well. This is typical of Florida in general. Pembroke Pines is a city that has a strong commitment to the arts and culture scene in addition to having beautiful weather. So there is a lot for people to look at there. And it is in this house that we come across Mia Marcano and the rest of her family. The 26th of April, 2002, was the day Mia was born. Her mother, Ima Scarbrio, was born on the mainland but moved to the Virgin Islands when she was a little child. Her father, Marlon Marcano, is a well-known DJ who is also known as DJ Eternal Vibes. Even though Mia's mother and father were no longer together when she was a child, she received great support from both of her parents and from her elder brother, Marlon Jr. Mia was a child who exuded self-assurance and was full of life. And the photo also includes the stepmother, Giselle Blanche. Mia was surrounded by affection and positive reinforcement at all times. These circumstances had a profound impact on her personality when she was a child. Mia had a height of a little less than five feet, but despite her short stature, she exuded a lot of strength and self-assurance. Mia attended Charles Flanagan High School while she was growing up in the Sunshine State. In her free time, she would frequently take part in carnivals one of which was the Miami Broad Carnival in May of 2020, just a few short months after COVID had become a reality. At this particular carnival, Mia graduated as a senior. The culmination of high school was marked by a great deal of dissatisfaction. The things that were important to Miu and her friends, like the prom, their final classes, and their graduation celebrations, were all thrown out the window. But Mia was not like the other kids who made the decision to postpone attending university in 2020. She had a distinct makeup. She has a strong drive for success, 
and she intends to make significant headway in her adult life. She also made the decision not to travel too far because the weather in Florida is already considered to be among the best that the United States has to offer. Therefore, she made the decision to start her academic career late that year at the University of Central Florida, which is located just approximately 300 kilometers to the north of her birthplace. Mia spent her first year in Orlando at UCF before transferring to Valencia College. Although she had initially planned to pursue a degree in the arts, she was also considering a career change into the fields of sports, medicine, or physiotherapy. In addition, as part of her efforts to learn how to become an adult and an honest worker, Mia had a part-time job. She took a job in the leasing office of the Arden Villa Student Housing Complex, which advertises itself as having luxurious off-campus residences and is located in the area around the University of Central Florida, UCF. Additionally, in order to simplify matters for Mia, this location doubled as her place of residence. Even before 2021, there was a lack of consensus among those who had visited the location. There was a swimming pool, as well as a fitness center. The hospitality staff was friendly, and the hotel was pet-friendly. However, Arden Villas experienced a number of problems as well. The maintenance was subpar, parking was challenging, and the rent was, on the whole, excessively high for what the property offered. In either case, Mia was able to make it happen. She was able to fit her studies, a part-time job at Arden Villas, and even the lifestyle of a student into her schedule. According to the information that I was able to gather, the working circumstances weren't all that terrible either. Nevertheless, she would have to work during opportune hours, such as Friday evenings and weekends. Mia would also have multiple unpleasant interactions with the maintenance guy, who would flirt with her in a very persistent manner. These encounters would often leave Mia feeling uncomfortable. However, Mia was never interested in his advances. She thought he was a bit of a creep because of how persistent he was. In the end, he abandoned her to her own devices. People in Florida were looking forward to the fall months as September 2021 approached, despite the fact that summer was still in full force there, even though it was becoming a little long in the tooth and steamy, and there were regular thunderstorms. While Mia was still juggling her time between working and attending college, she also made arrangements to travel back to Pembroke Pines to spend time with her family. Mia was scheduled to take a flight from Orlando to Lauderdale that would take exactly one hour, but this wouldn't happen until the following day, on Friday, the 24th, after she had done her shift at Arden Villas. After submitting her final report at 1,500 hours, Mia had barely enough time to return to her house, get her belongings, and leave for the airport. Even if the time wasn't ideal, Mia couldn't wait to catch up with her family. In spite of this, after Mia finishes her shift, she does not answer any of the phone calls or text messages that she receives.
which in this day and age is obviously quite weird. It's possible that she was running late for her flight or that she was having technical difficulties with her phone. At this point, nobody had any idea. But as the evening proceeded and her parents waited on the other side, their anxieties grew when her flight landed without me on board. This caused their anxiety to reach a fever pitch. They were in a state of panic and worry, so they called Miyu on her mobile phone to find out where she was or, at the very least, to ensure that she was okay. However, Miyu remained silent during the entirety of the evening, and it seemed as though she had disappeared altogether. The disappearance of Miyu was a shockingly unexpected occurrence. Her stillness was in stark contrast to the way she often carried herself in situations like this one. At 9.30 o'clock in the evening, inquiries were placed with the Orange County Sheriff's Office regarding Meir and the apartment she resides in. And by 9.42 in the evening, a deputy was already on his way to the Arden Villers, arriving a little after 10 o'clock. The officer knocked on the door of the apartment three times, but no one answered the door any of those times. After a while, one of Mia's roommates showed up, and when she went inside, she saw that the door to Mia's bedroom was closed. After further investigation, the roommate left. After gazing through the bedroom window, Officer Paulino Samir stated in an unofficial record of the incident that the window could be seen to be open and unlocked. He opened the window by pushing it open to have a better view. It appeared that the bedroom doorknob had been set in such a way as to obstruct access to the space by propping up various pieces of furniture against it. There were a number of other peculiarities as well. There was a jumble of jewelry all over the ground. In addition, it appeared like blood had been spilled over her pillow, which was also in the room along with her suitcase. When Mia's roommates were questioned about whether there was someone in Mia's life who she was dating or who she had just been friends with, they mentioned a maintenance guy whose name was Armando Caballero. She claimed that Armando had been pursuing a romantic relationship with Mia for a considerable amount of time but that she had consistently turned down his efforts. She stated that there was nothing romantic between them, and that they were only friends. Mia's family was not the type to idly wait for something to happen. Instead, they got themselves ready, got in their car, and drove approximately 200 miles north to Orlando, arriving there shortly before 3 a.m. When they got to Arden Vela's, Officer Polino was still working the case, and in the wee hours of the morning, he was greeted by numerous members of her family. They were eager to call attention to a number of peculiarities that the deputy had overlooked. One of the more peculiar things that was discovered under the rug was a yellow box cutter, which no one was able to identify. The other issue was something that was a little bit more contentious. Armando, the maintenance guy, appeared very immediately after we pulled into the parking lot of Arden Villas. Simply being there was enough to bring up a range of feelings for everyone in the family. They were aware of who he was, and they had received a great deal of information about him from Mir.
in the prior months. Amanda started having conversations with law enforcement officials regarding a common co-worker named Tardy. But right away, Mia's family voiced their concerns about the situation. And after that, this took place. Tardy. Not even familiar with Tardy. You went to bed at 10 o'clock. And all of a sudden you're here at 4 o'clock in the morning talking to me about how you've been awake since 4 o'clock in the morning looking for me. Now that I've seen anything, I realize that nobody knows Tati. That sums up everything for me. Tati is so unknown that not even her roommate knows her. She works for the company. However, you continue to assert that Tati is a friend of yours and that the three of you have spent time together. You currently have Tommy at your disposal. The text is familiar to all of us. You stated that you would give her your life savings, but then you cashed out her money and pretended that you hadn't been in contact with her. In fact, in the event that this is the situation, we are going to file a police report in order to access your phone records. Armando's family argued with him, pointing out that they were aware that he had been sending obsessive text messages to Mia, sending her money through the cash app, and at one point even offering to give her his life savings. Armando denied all of these allegations. Armando quickly left after dismissing these allegations as false. The allegations made by the family suggest that the police should have taken additional action. Armando's peculiar behavior, in addition to the mere fact that he was present at 4 o'clock, threw everyone off. All of these things raised red flags. Unfortunately, he was allowed to leave without any further inquiries being asked of him. At first, the police had no reason to assume that Armando was involved in anything. He told the officers that he had seen Mia for the last time around 3 o'clock, while they were both working, which was approximately two hours before she vanished without a trace. Mia's information had been uploaded to the FCIC by noon, and shortly after that, a missing persons bulletin had been published on the website. Mia's family was quick to start their own inquiry, in contrast to the authorities, who were slow to do so. In fact, on that very same morning, they were driving around and decided to make a covert observation of Armando from their own vehicle. What they saw was a highly concerning warning sign. Armando was seen getting a blanket, a glove, and a suitcase out of his car as he climbed out of his silver Ford Fusion before strolling inside his own apartment in Seminole County. Armando's residence is located in the county. They were certain beyond a reasonable doubt that the blanket belonged to Mia, and in light of this knowledge, they dialed the emergency services number. Officers from Castleberry responded to their call, and shortly after their arrival, there was yet another uncomfortable encounter between Armando Mia's family and the officers. However, because there was no current search warrant, the cops were not permitted by law to enter his flat. However, they were taken aback when Armando gave Mia's family the opportunity to go through instead. Despite this, nothing of significance was discovered. 
he was free to go about his day because there was neither an active search warrant nor any major evidence found by the officers who conducted the search. And the Marcanos were at an all-time high level of frustration. They had recently realized that Armando was involved in some way with Mia's disappearance, which made their anticipation of the next step taken by Armando all the more palpable as three o'clock approached. Armando hopped into his car later that day, drove away, and went missing when he left. A warrant was issued for Armando's arrest at 4.30 p.m., less than 24 hours before Mia was reported missing. The sheriff's office was previously aware that Armando had shown an intimate interest in Mia. Nevertheless, as the hours passed, the reports ultimately became more worrying to them. At that point, the sheriff's office decided to act. The apartment of Armando was searched and secured by cops within the following hour, but it was too little, too late. Armando had vanished after leaving his home as a free man not quite two hours earlier and strolling away from his neighborhood. The investigators quickly came to the conclusion that on the Friday that Mia went missing. Someone had entered her apartment using a master key at approximately 4.30 p.m., and that Armando, who worked as a maintenance worker, was known to have a master key. Once the idea of the key was linked, this new information would formally make Marcano a wanted man in Armando Caballero's eyes, since he had entered her residence without her consent, which is the very minimum requirement for this status. The county sheriffs started looking into his background because they realized that finding Armando was now very essential to solving the mystery of Mia's disappearance. However, now they would need to glance in both directions. The question wasn't only about where Armando has gone. It was also about where he is at this very moment. Investigators requested the cell phone records of the suspect in an effort to learn the answer. However, it was going to take some time to complete this study. Over the course of the weekend, feelings became more intense as Miu and Armando maintained their silence. It appeared as though new questions were being raised at an increasing rate as this case dragged on. Take Miu as an example. Where exactly is she? When does she plan on going back? Where is Armando, by the way? Is he still seeing her at all? Both Mia's family and the detectives have maintained a strong level of determination and optimism in their search for Miu and Armando. On the other hand, some unanticipated news arrived in the middle of the day on Monday, September 27. What do you need? We discovered a medical emergency and a fire on the property. Someone has committed suicide by hanging themselves from a garage. Is a male okay? Yes, male. Okay, got it. He passed away, right? Not beyond all hope of rescue. I believe so. Okay, okay, got it. A cleaner who was working a shift at Sabal Club had entered one of the site's garages, and after turning on the lights, she had suddenly discovered the death of Armando Caballero. The body was found in the garage, 
where the lights had been turned on. After he had left his residence at three in the afternoon, he went to the airport. On Saturday, he went to the suburb of Lake, which is located in Longwood. It is not certain when exactly he took his own life, although he had already sent his last text message by 9.35 p.m. on the same night. Therefore, things were not looking good in the middle of a horrific scenario, with the primary suspect suddenly dead and being able to walk free from investigating cops. The fact that Armando took his own life was a shock. But what was even more unsettling was that it seemed to point toward a very troubling ending to Mia's story. In the context of an ongoing investigation, an honest guy would never act in such a way. Nevertheless, even in spite of the terrible turn of events, Mia's family continued to be strong and resilient. I mean, the death of Armando might have been unimportant at this point in time. Nobody knew. However, they did not have a suspect, so they did not have anybody who could answer their inquiries. This meant that the voyage ahead would be lengthy and full of suspense. They would have to rely on teams that specialize in digital forensics to monitor Armando's travels using security footage and cell phone information instead. In the days that followed, Many members of Mia's family traveled from as far away as Canada and the Caribbean to lend their support to the search efforts being conducted to locate her. And as each of those days went by, Mia's narrative made its way into the hearts of an increasing number of people. The number of people who had volunteered to look for Mia increased. The area within a radius of 30 miles surrounding the Arden Villas complex was the focal point of the search efforts, with a particular attention placed on wetlands, lakes, and rivers. And by the time September 30 rolled around, the emergency response team had already carried out more than 30 searches in Orange County, Seminole County, and Volusia County. Deputies from Orange County began to step up their search operations at Arden Villas. At this point, the FBI became engaged to lend backup to the Orange County Sheriff's Office in order to improve their chances of locating Meyer. While members of Mia's family and friends organized vigils at which they prayed and hoped for her safe return, and some of these vigils drew hundreds of people at a time, law enforcement officials were also diligently searching for her. They were able to determine through the data on Armando's cell phone that he had traveled to a number of locations in the days leading up to Mir's disappearance. Some of these locations include downtown Orlando, the Paramore region, Orange County, Seminole County, and Volusia County. As the officers followed Armando's footsteps, they were aware of the fact that he had recently been in the Timberskin neighborhood. There is no question that Timber Scan is not a site that can be considered safe. In fact, the situation is just the opposite. Nearly every modernized metropolis has at least some dangerous neighborhoods. And believe me when I say that you do not want to be in this city at night. Timber Scan is an established community of condominiums that sits on the shore of Lake Catherine and is located just southwest of the central business district of Orlando. 
And once it was constructed in 1972, things just got worse. The foreclosure crisis that was going on in 2010 caused a significant increase in the number of vacant properties in the area. And as time went on, the vacancy rate in timber scan continued to rise. The estate was having trouble keeping up with its payments and eventually lost the services of having its rubbish collected and, subsequently, also lost the services of having its water delivered. And this resulted in a further increase in the number of residents who left their homes. To put it succinctly, this is a terrible location to be in. And despite its proximity to the central business district, Google Maps has no interest in exploring the area. Its name is frequently associated with reports of drug use, violence, and sometimes death. And the worst part of the night is between the hours of 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock. Armando's phone received a signal in this area on the night that Mia went missing. Following the discovery of the fact that Armando had lived in Timberscan at one point in his life, and as a result was very familiar with the surrounding area, the Orange County Sheriff's Department made the decision to conduct an investigation into the neighborhood immediately surrounding Timberscan. Therefore, on the morning of October 2, 2021, search teams got to work combing across the area, making their way through the derelict buildings and overgrown forests. And at 10.45 that morning, I found myself sharing it while having a sorrowful heart. Mia Marcano's body had been found by the cops when they arrived at the scene. It was obvious that Mia had been there for a considerable amount of time because her pocketbook, which contained her identification card, was discovered nearby. She was found partially nude with a pair of trousers, a bra, and a robe. She had been restrained with black duct tape when she was discovered. The news that Mia's family and thousands of other people had hoped for was not what they received. This, of course, marked the beginning of a protracted and excruciating journey through misery. The fact that Mia was discovered at the same place that Amanda was known to have been just a few hours after her disappearance was enough for the police officers to assume that he was responsible for her disappearance. And as if the fact that he had taken his own life wasn't suspect enough, this bolstered his suspicions even further. Later in the night, there was yet another vigil organized for Mia. But at this point, there was no longer any reason to be optimistic. This one was held in memory of Mia Marcano, who passed away recently. After hearing about Mia's passing, people's minds began to turn to the subject of who should be held accountable for death. Armando was, without a doubt, correct. Whoever was responsible for supporting his activities, though, Given that he completely and utterly evaded any responsibility for his acts, it cannot be denied that carelessness played a role in the events that transpired here. The attorney for Mia's family, Daryl Washington, emphasized that the apartment complex where Mia had lived and worked should have taken additional precautions to ensure the safety of its tenants. It also transpired that this was not the first time Armando had committed a criminal conduct. 
In March of the very same year, he had problems with another young woman. And when he was working in a different apartment complex, he sent her a note to take her out on a date. He was fired from that job. The young man, who was 24, accepted his offer with some reluctance and agreed to meet him a few days later. However, she changed her mind and said no to him when he asked her to move the date to the very same night as it was originally planned. A few hours later, while this woman was inside her room, someone threw a dumbbell weight through the window. An officer was dispatched to the scene in order to investigate, and while he was there, his body camera began capturing the damage. Although it is not certain, it is most likely that Armando is the moron who is responsible for what happened here. And if that's the case, it offers a very clear picture of the aggressive tendency he displays when women turn him down. Armando had a previous run-in with the law in 2013, when he ignited a small homemade explosive as a prank in a secondary school. The case specifics may be accessed on the internet records of Polker County. Thankfully, no one was hurt as a result of this incident. However, it did result in Mano being prosecuted. It took Arden Villa three days merely to admit that Mia was gone, which is one of the many things that is frustrating about this case. It is also one of the many things that is frustrating about this case. And the very next day, they denied that they had been careless with their background checks when they hired Armando, even going so far as to imply that these prior offenses were committed by a different man with the same name. However, Armando's name as well as his birth date are listed on these legal documents. So, they are saying that this man had the same first name, the same middle name, the same last name, and the same year of birth. In either case, whether they were aware of Armando's history and chose to ignore it or they simply didn't know, not enough attention or care was given when Narden and Villas decided to employ him. This might be because they simply didn't know or because they were aware of Armando's history but chose to ignore it. And as a consequence of this, a potentially dangerous individual was allowed access to all of the student apartments in a complex that lacked proper lighting and supervision. Residents of Arden Velas and the adjacent communities staged a demonstration in the days following Mia's passing in order to voice their demand that the corporation enhance the safety precautions that it takes. They were also not helped by Arden Villa's complete lack of sympathy. Not only did they never accept any responsibility for enabling these unfortunate events to take place in the first place, but they also never contacted Mia's family to offer an apology or even a letter of condolences. Not only did she live in the Arden Villas, but she also worked there and was a friend to the others who worked there. Since then, it has gone from terrible to worse, and I couldn't help but note that a lot of those early complaints were based around Arden's lack of maintenance as well. Like I stated before, even before Mia's death, Arden and Villas weren't doing too well on Google's reviews, but since then, it has gone from bad to worse. Because of this, 
I find myself questioning if or not a man was just as incompetent at his work as he was at being a good man. The counsel for the family has also blamed the authorities for not intervening sooner, stating that if they had, Amanda would still be alive and he would have to face the consequences of his conduct if she were still alive. And possibly at that very moment, if he was willing to communicate, he would be able to disclose the events that transpired during Mia's last few hours of life. Mia's autopsy was finally made public toward the end of December 2021. In the report, it was stated that the way in which she was found with multiple restraints and in an abandoned area of an apartment complex indicates that some type of assault had occurred, but unfortunately, due to advanced decomposition, there was not enough evidence to determine what type of assault had taken place. Homicide by measures that have not been determined to have been the cause of death. This implies that we don't really know how Meyer died or any physical circumstances that transpired prior to or after her death, which must be tragic for Mia's family. We don't really know how Meyer died or any physical circumstances that happened before or after her death. Before Mia Marcano was laid to rest in Bailey Memorial Gardens in Norfordale on October 14, 2021, a wake and service were held in her honor at the Cooper City Church of God. Mia is remembered as a bright star in her family's constellation of stars. They recall her as being silly and funny, focused on her family, and overflowing with love. And once more, she was a young woman who had just begun her life as an adult. Not only did she deserve to feel safe and be protected in her place of abode, but she also deserved to feel safe and be safe at the place where she worked. And sadly, a callous man who didn't even have half a brain was given the chance to sneak up on her in her own house, murder her, and then end his own life out of fear. This is a devastating turn of events. Since Mia's passing, her family has established the Mia Marcano Foundation. The mission of the foundation is to support educate, and provide resources to families of missing persons while pushing for the safety of students and our most vulnerable population. Mia Marcano was a student at the University of California, Los Angeles. In addition, Mia's bill, which is currently making its way through the Florida legislature and aims to improve both personal safety and security on residential properties in that state is named after her. The members of Mia's family and the people who care about her will not give up their battle for a safer world for students and other vulnerable people. It is possible that in the future, more information could come to light about Mia's background. I sincerely hope that Mia's law will lead to significant improvements in the lives of many people in the future. My thoughts are with Mia's loved ones during this difficult time. Thank you for taking the time for this case. If you found this case intriguing or learned something new today, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel. Your feedback in the comments section below would also be greatly appreciated. I will return soon with another story to share, but until then, let's all look out for one another.
Goodbye.